Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Six keys to become a financial wonder to your generation. And I chose that title carefully, and sometimes the Lord gives you signs when you're getting ready to preach something. You know, it's funny how I I woke up uh, about two hours three hours before I came in here to, to study and get my notes together. And um, so I'm meditating on becoming a financial wonder. And as I'm walking in, guys are working on our office building. The guys that are going to build the church, since they don't have the permitting yet, they're repairing uh, and fixing up these two buildings for, for when we get ready to sell them, if we get ready to sell them. So one of the builders comes over as I'm walking in to sit down in the studio and hands me a few hundred dollar bills and says, I wanted to give this to you, evangelist. Thanks. I'll take the uh, new living. Thanks. And that's what I'm talking about. When you put God first, the golden key scripture, Matthew six thirty three: seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when you do, all these other things will be added unto you. I don't take it for granted. Somebody giving me two or three hundred dollars. That's a a 40-hour job after taxes are taken out that just found its its way into my hand, not doing anything other than doing what God's called me to do. I want you, if you have your Bible, six keys to become a financial wonder in your generation. I'm going to get into this stronger than I normally do. Sometimes I go a little soft in church because there could be visitors there or whatever. And, uh, you know, the world has pre-programmed people that all, the, all preachers want or all the church wants is your money. But it's different online because, you, you know, the title's right there. You have a choice to watch anything you want. So I'm not gearing this to visitors. I do that in revival meetings and crusades. But this we teach Remember, Paul said, I desired to share with you the meat of God's word, but you were only ready to handle milk. So we're going to get into the meat of this today. Matthew chapter 11, and I want you to write that in your notes, becoming a financial wonder in your generation. You don't have to repeat the same steps that people repeated before you. Matthew 11, verse 2. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Are you the Messiah, or should we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things that you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor are having the gospel preached to them. I want you to to consider that with me. The blind see, the deaf hear, the crippled walk, the lepers are cleansed, the dead are raised, and then he is saying the poor are having their needs supplied. The poor are being given. No, notice all of the physical things 
were the thing that was lacking was met. Blind people need to see. They were given sight. Deaf people need to hear. They were given hearing. Crippled people don't have the ability to move. They had their mobility restored to them. Dead people need raised up. Poor people need provi- they're poor because they lack blind people are blind because they lack sight. Deaf people are deaf because they lack hearing. Poor people are poor because they lack resources. But notice, all of those that led up to that, Christ gave them the thing that they needed. But when it came to people who lack resources, what did he give them? The gospel. The word of God. If I can get you today to see that the Bible contains within it the seed for unending increase then that is the foundation to becoming a financial wonder in your generation. Teaching people the word of God brings prosperity. When the word of God exits a nation, the nation goes down economically. When the word of God comes into a nation, study a nation like South Korea that had almost no Christians after World War II. They were ranked bottom of all nations economically. Then they have a revival spearheaded by Young E. Cho. And they go up to 11th, 13th, depending on what you read, of all nations in the world. The word of God, if you're going to destroy a nation, you have to get this book out of the people's hearts. And if you're going to see a nation increase, this word has to be taught to the people. This word shows you you're not a slave. This word shows you that you're free, that the government doesn't make you free. God made you free, that you're created in the image of God, that the seed of increase is on the inside of you when the word of God enters into you, and it makes you productive. Why do all, why do 90% of missions giving in Christianity come from the United States? People took great heat, I think the ones that I, I, I could think, and taught on prosperity and taught it to the people. And it produced Christians that not only have their needs supplied, but have more than enough to spread the gospel all over the world. And we need another generation like that. The owner of Chick-fil-A, uh, the, the founder of Chick-fil-A is in heaven. The founder of Hobby Lobby, is getting is not a teenager very getting up there in years where are the new generation of christians that will make up their mind i'm not going to believe for me to have my needs met i shudder when i hear people talk like that in church i mean i mean believe god will meet your need what a low i mean you talk about diluting what this tells you you, you can do and what you can have and who you can be Prosperity is not God meeting your needs. Prosperity is God financially empowering you to make you a blessing to your generation, to meet the needs of your generation. The blind see, the deaf hear, the crippled walk. The poor are having the gospel preached to them. Ministers don't do that in our generation. They give poor people socks. They give poor people clothes. They give poor people blankets. They give poor people bottled water. And obviously there is 
uh, a ministry to feed the hungry and clothe the naked. Jesus commanded it. We do that. 1,200 kids every morning. But if that's all you do, you have robbed people. Because Jesus, said, Jesus didn't say, the blind see the deaf here, and I'm giving socks to the, those that are poor in Israel. He said the poor are having the gospel preached to them. If I took a show of emoji hands, some of you have heard ministers that are missionaries say, now, you know, we don't, we don't mention stuff about money when we go preach in the country that, that we're missionaries in because the people there are very poor. Well, then you have a, a ministry that's the opposite of Jesus. Jesus said, the gospel is being preached to the poor. The word of God lifts people out of poverty. It lifted the Shuttlesworth family out of poverty. It'll lift any family out of poverty. So the word's not like a supplement, you know, where you need to listen to like TED Talks and read other stuff and then, you know, also be a Christian. The Bible carries within itself the power to break poverty off of your life and then bring explosive increase. You can write those two words in the comments because I want you to get your mind on that track. Explosive increase. Thanks for watching on the app, Roxanne. Kate on Facebook, which we're off uh, YouTube for two-week suspension. Lisa, Lori, Raven. Lori, tell your family I said hi. Great people. Boosie, what nation? I see we have a lot of South Africans watching, which makes me happy. Six keys to becoming a financial wonder in your generation. And for all the people that mock these people, it's three keys to this and five keys to this. We do, we do uh, live in a kingdom that operates on keys. Jesus said to the religious leaders of his generation, Woe unto you Pharisees, for you've withheld the keys of the, uh, the keys, the key of knowledge from, from this generation. So the Bible contains keys. I mean, you know, there's no formulas with God. No, there actually are a lot of formulas in the Bible. Repent, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and you will be saved. That's a formula. The more mysterious you make the Bible and mystical you make the Bible, the less you get out of it, the more practical you make out of it, the, more you, the higher you fly. I mean, we don't know his plan. We just trust him. I mean, I'm, I'm, let me just knock a lot of stuff out before I get into, into the six keys. You know, faith is about trusting Jesus. What does that mean? You sound, you sound Catholic. And we love Catholics. But it's all, like, mystical. That's trusting him. No, faith is not trusting Jesus. Faith is believing the word of God. What does that mean, trust Jesus? That could, that could mean a million things to a million different people. Just trusting his plan. What is his plan? He actually wrote it down. You can read it. You can know it. You can believe it. You can, you can confess it. And you can have it. It's not some blind trust in Jesus. I'm just, you know, we're just, we're, we're Christ trusters. I'm going to wait until they just change it from Christian to Christ follower to Christ truster. Faith is believing the word of God. Abraham, the father of our faith, believed those things which God spoke unto him, and God declared, counted it as righteousness unto him. It's believing the word. Jesus is the living word. 
keys to becoming a financial wonder to your generation. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 3. First Kings chapter 3, verse 3. Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father David, except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burned incense at the local places of worship. The most important of these places of worship was at Gibeon. So the king went there and sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings. Do you know how many you were supposed to do? Seven. 1,000 burnt offerings. And that night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, What do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Solomon replied, You showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you've continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made me king instead of my father, David. But I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous, they can't be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you've asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart so that no one else, such as no one else has had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and commands as your father David did, I will give you long life. There you, again, I mean, all through the Bible, the connection between health and long life and riches. Six keys to become a financial wonder in your generation. Number one, I want to define what it means to become a financial wonder. It's not receiving financial wonders. It's becoming a financial wonder. It's not trying to get wealth. It's wealth flowing out of you. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Nobody arrives at a future he can't see. If you think it's normal to struggle, you'll struggle. If you think the point of the Bible uh, teaching on finances is so that you can learn to make money, you'll struggle. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Wealth comes from me. It's attracted to me, and it flows from me. Most ministers are hoping to re meet a rich person. Few ministers understand that God didn't say in Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord will make you meet rich people who will help you. 
It says, the blessing of the Lord makes a man rich, and he addeth no sorrow to it. Proverbs 10, 22. I don't need rich people to help me. I is a rich person by the blessing of God. The Bible says so. The blessing of the Lord makes a man rich, and he addeth no sorrow. So it's not just wealth that the blessing of God produces. It's sorrow-free wealth, stress-free wealth. You know, we don't have much. I'll tell you, the thing you don't have the most is, a, is either A, any desire to read and study the Bible, or B, a mouth that will line up with the Word of God. There's no way you can read that book and see yourself poor. I am the seed of Abraham. Everything that God promised him belongs to me. Turn to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. But Christ has redeemed us. What has he redeemed us from? And notice it's redeemed. E-D, past tense. Christ has redeemed us from what? All the curse of the law. How many people watching have been shortchanged? Chris on Facebook said, was Jesus rich? No, he was very rich. Go and get the boats. If you travel with uh, 12 disciples plus women that traveled with them, Jesus didn't have a Cadillac. Yeah, but he had boats that could carry 13 people, which still cost more than Cadillacs. They gambled over his clothes. Who is this man from Basra whose garment has no seam? Basra is still expert tailoring to this day. Jesus didn't even have a home to stay in. Oh, is that true? Is that why when they said, where are you staying, master? He said, well, I'm just laying here on the street. He said, come and see, and the crowd pressed into the home. Poor people don't have homes that crowds can press into. And then I'll give you another one. Jesus had a treasure. If you have a treasure, then you have a treasury. Poor people don't have treasuries. Go to, the, go to Section 8 housing and ask somebody that's standing outside smoking, how much do you have in your treasury? And then they'll either punch you or shoot you because they'll think you're mocking them. Jesus had a man whose job was to carry a bag of money. And the Bible says he often stole, took from it for himself, and there was still plenty for all of them. A 
I can see, uh, I can see thinking Jesus is, was a poor person when you're like eight years old or 11 or 13. But I'd say by the time you get to about 27, if you know anything about how the world works, like I'm planning a trip at the end of the year. I'm going to take another minister with me and do, do uh, at least six nights of miracle meetings in different cities. Just taking one other preacher plus some, some media staff and somebody to run the table and a, bu- a bus driver. We're going to go by bus, like a coach bus. It's not cheap. So when I see a man traveling with 12 people, 12 men, and then the Bible says in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to 3, that there were women that often traveled with him. Then there were 70 other disciples. You're not dealing with a poor man. And you're definitely, you know, the mentality that Jesus had. There's 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. How, uh, we need to send them home because they're going to want to eat and then we're on the hook. No, tell them to sit down. I'm going to feed them. There was no, no mentality in Christ that I need help. I don't know what I'm going to do. He had transportation for a large group. He had lodging for a large group. He had provision for a large group. You're not going to read in, the, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the disciples were very tired because they hadn't eaten for several days because there was no money. You don't read that. Like, I'm going to show you one story that will just erase seeing Jesus as a poor person. Let me say goodbye today to Catholic Jesus and introduce you to actual Jesus. If you study it in church history, the Catholic Church, in tandem with governments, taught people that it was good to be poor because then they agreed to having the living poo taxed out of them because they thought it was Christian. No, it's good for the kingdom. We don't need anything anyway, man. So go ahead and take it. But the king got it all. (laughs) And then, now, keep an eye on anyone that tells you it's good to be poor because you're going to notice they have money. The Pope is not wearing a, a, faded, a faded glory tank top from Walmart. The Pope has a tailor shop in Italy that only makes his clothes. I think the last time I read it, it's 13 tailors. Prada makes his slippers custom. He flies on a private plane. So when people start going on about the benefits of poverty, about 100% of the time, it's a game to get you to fork over what you have to them. Forget forget the Catholic Church. What about the Protestant Church? The Protestant preachers that preach against prosperity have more money than the prosperity preachers that they preach against. Take your favorite anti-prosperity preacher... Put his name in Google, and next to it write net worth. And then you're going to make the same expression that Kevin made in Home Alone when he put aftershave on. I've been fooled. Where do you think those, those Reformed guys live, the leaders of the Reformed church? You think they live in a tent? Let me ask you a question, if you're an intelligent person. The people who preach, the, the, the main preachers, and I'm not going to mention anybody's names, but the main preachers that preach against prosperity, 
If you had to guess, because I already know the answer, do you think they live in a tent in a state park, or do you think they live in a brick home in a gated community? What about the watch they wear? Do you think they wear a cheap watch? I, I know the watch they wear. And I don't have a problem with it, but it is a bit hypocritical to tell people that it's wrong to, to, to care about money and wealth and then have a luxury watch on your wrist. I've got one on my wrist. I've got another one at home. I'm not against it. But it's wrong to tell people that it's, you know, money, you shouldn't care about that. And then you're loaded. So where did your money come from? Did the devil give it to you? Why don't you give it all away? Be like Jesus, the Jesus you preach, who was poor and had no pillow to lay his head on. Which was figurative speech. When Jesus said, the son of foxes have dens, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Was that literal speech or figurative speech? Now, you're listening to somebody that takes the Bible literally. But there you have to take it figuratively, because when they were on a boat crossing to the other side of the water, the Bible says Jesus was asleep in the boat with his head resting on a pillow. What do you think, Jesus slept with his head hanging off the side of a bed? For three and a half years, walking around with neck problems? John chapter 21. Catch this in your spirit today. Catch this in your spirit. John 21. See Jesus as he really is out of this passage. And as he is, so are we in this world. Please catch this. John 21. Verse 3. Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net, because there were so many fish in it. How many fish did they catch all night? None. Jesus stands on the shore. They don't even know it's him. And he yells out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No. Cast your net on the right side. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, 
jumped into the water and headed to shore. So when they pulled, they hadn't caught any fish, some guy yells to them, cast your net out on the right side and you'll get some. So they did. They couldn't pull in the net because there were so many fish. And Peter, without knowing who it was, said, it's the Lord. That has to be Jesus. Why? Because anywhere Jesus went, drought turned to abundance. Now look at this. Don't miss this. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Verse 10, bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to, to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them bread and fish. You know what's interesting out of that part? Did Jesus say, come and bring me some of the fish that you've caught and we can all eat? No. Jesus already had fish cooking it over a fire for them. That miracle, he doesn't need you to share with him some of what he, he helped you get. He is the all-sufficient one. El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. He erased their lack and he already had. What we have doesn't help him. He doesn't need any help. Now, that's one story. How can you read any stories like that about Jesus and think he was poor when he could call in 153 large fish like that? And you understand, they were commercial fishermen. Peter and some of the other disciples. 153 large fish. Let's say there were 20 pounders. Let's say you could get 10, 10 pounds of meat off of the large fish. 153. For the sake of uh, math, let's make it a round number. 150 fish, 10 pounds of meat per fish. And I'm probably being way too conservative. That's 1,500 pounds of, of fish meat. Let's say the last time I bought fish meat from a fisherman was in Hawaii when I was starting the church in Hana, and we paid their rate. They gave us a discount at $4 a pound. So let, let's, and I'm sure it's gone up, especially under the Biden administration. But let's go $4 a pound, 1,500 pounds of fish. Then what's that? That's a $60,000 miracle that took place in one paragraph. How do you see Jesus as poor? The guy could multiply anything. Lack fled when Jesus was on the scene. Now, I read about Solomon. Turn to Matthew eleven eleven. Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. So, every, up until the, let me go slow. I don't want you to miss this. 
Matthew 11, 11. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. Okay, so up until the time of John the Baptist, every person in the Bible was equal to or less than John the Baptist, according to Jesus. Up until now, there has not been one greater than John the Baptist. So that would include Solomon, right? But he who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. By redemption, John the Baptist wasn't redeemed. Solomon wasn't redeemed. They didn't have the blood of Jesus. Job didn't have the, the, the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the word of God. The, uh, redemption, their redemption was from animals. Our redemption is from the blood of Christ. So up until this time, none have risen that are greater than John the Baptist. But the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So every person watching me right now carries the potential on the inside of them to outperform any Old Testament saint. Solomon, Elijah, Elisha, Moses, none were greater than John the Baptist. And by redemption, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Six keys to become a financial wonder in your generation. You will never arrive at a future you can't see. You'll never become someone you can't see in the Bible. If you see yourself as a struggling, you know, I mean, no, we're all sinners and we're just trying to do our best to make heaven and holding on one day, no, then you'll never get there. When you see that by redemption, the dominion that Solomon had in the financial realm has been transferred to me. The power over sickness and disease that Elijah and Elisha had. Go and tell that leper to dip seven times there and the leprosy will be removed. That's been greater. The least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than them. Bishop David Oyedepo is building a 106,000 seat indoor auditorium. Air conditioned. What? How much money did he tell me it was going to cost? Two hundred and some million. Two sixty-seven, something like that. Solomon never built anything that big. I don't know that there were that many people. So the end time church is a glorious church. And the Bible says we are all living stones in that church. There's to be a performance of the end time saints. Where the dominion of God shows forth from us in every area of life, including the financial area. We bought that acreage in Pittsburgh and are building that, that church on it right now. Because of what I've just shared with you, this little bit. 
I can't see a picture of myself sitting in a cubicle with a mortgage officer as a man of God, as a child of God, asking an unsaved, unregenerate person if I can borrow money to do the work of the Lord. I can't see that. So I don't have it. I see myself as the lender and not the borrower from Scripture. It's not me just dreaming big dreams. If you like that, any you know ministries that divorce like your dreams and goals from the Bible, I have no, I, they're low level, you know Christian life coaching. You can have it. I'm believing God for a car. Wow, that's great. I'm sure people will write about your awesome life years after you're gone. She believed for and received a car. Now, if you're taking the bus to work and you're believing for a car, do it. But I'm talking about Christian life coaching where you define your life by the fact that you got a Mercedes. Big freaking deal. Hundreds of thousands of people have Mercedes. It's no big deal. The blessing of God is to make impact on your generation. Land, buildings, like that kind of stuff. Like the city of Pittsburgh having to hold city council meetings to try to pass laws about how much land one nonprofit can, can have because I've bought up so much land. If you start hitting that level, now you're starting to get somewhere where you're actually troubling the powers that be like Abraham did, like Isaac did. They have too much land. They, they have too much wealth. They have too much flocks. They have too much herds. They have too much cattle. That, we have to deport them. Get them out of the nation. They're too big. That is what you have by your covenant. I'm going to borrow freaking whatever, $2 million to go build a church. Give me a break. If God can't do that, then he, he overrepresented himself in the Bible. But he's not a liar. If you have the faith to believe it, God has more than enough power to do it. Well, whenever he wills. It's not whatever he wills. He told you what his will is. If thou canst believe, all things are possible. To him that believes, you should write in all caps, I believe. Quit talking about things like they're a lot of money. Nothing is a lot of money. Where would Bishop Oyedepo be today if he said, 106,000, see, you don't have that'll cost 267 million in our exchange rate. See, you don't understand. In Nigeria, the exchange rate's 400 to 1. It's, you know, and the average Nigerian makes $2 a, a, a day equivalents in America, so it's not really feasible. And you know, everything I just said is true. If you want to think on a natural realm, you'll never receive supernatural wealth. I live in this world. I'm not confined by this world. The powers of this world are not, I'm not subject to them. They're subject to the Christ that's on the inside of me. And they are subject to the word of God. I shall decree a thing and it shall be established. I don't struggle. Hey, Pastor Tommy. 
one of the best Bible teachers in the country, right there, if you see her in the comments, Tommy Norman. Write it down so the devil can see it. I don't struggle. Anyway, I started to read Galatians 3. Thirteen, But Christ has redeemed us from all the curse of the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. What's in the curse of the law? Lots of things. But nothing is listed more than poverty, lack, and scarcity. It's listed, if you enumerate everything that's written in the curse of the law, the thing that you're going to see the most of are things that deal with the realm of finances, Lack of provision, lack of food, scarcity and want. You'll plant much but harvest little. Christ broke that curse. Poverty is a curse, and the curse has been broken. Write that down. Poverty is a curse, and that curse was broken by Christ on, on the cross. I can never be poor. You can drop me anywhere on planet Earth. I'll create an oasis in the desert. When I come, you know, and this has happened all through history. This isn't like wishful thinking. I got a question for you. When our church begins functioning in that area of Pittsburgh, do you think that area of Pittsburgh is going to go up or down? It's going to go up. Churches clear the crap out. Good. I'm talking about like actual churches. When there's a move of God, it has an effect on the town. It has an effect on the nation. That's in Deuteronomy 28. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. I lift people where I go. Write that down. I lift people where I go. You, you have to see yourself like that. Proverbs 23, 7. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. When I work somewhere, that company gets better. It's a Joseph. You drop him in prison, he makes the prison better and becomes head prisoner. You make him a slave, he becomes head slave, and they say, you don't stay in the slave quarters, you come and live in the house. And the master's wife desired him. So what does that tell you? He wasn't moping around. I saw a dream when I was younger that all the sheaves were going to bow down to me, but, you know, I guess sometimes maybe it's like a spiritual dream. No. He was carrying himself differently. It attracted Potiphar's wife to him. Bouncing, full of energy. Put him in the prison, same thing. Put him in the government, same thing. Anywhere he went, he lifted things. Anywhere I go, write it down. Anywhere I go, I lift things. Things are better when I'm there. The atmosphere improves. There's joy instead of sorrow. There's peace instead of despair. Healing flows from me. Jesus flows from me. Because he lives on the inside of me. And look what Jesus brought. Have you caught any fish? Put your net down, tons of fish. Where I go, I bring increase. I'm not trying to increase. I carry increase. Write that down. Write it in your Bible. I'm not trying to increase. I carry increase. If I touch it, it goes up, not down. Whatever, everything you touch is blessed. That's what the Bible says. If you put your hand to it, it'll increase. 
I'm not trying to increase. I'm not believing for increase. I carry increase. So the curse of poverty is broken, Galatians 3.13. But not only is the curse of poverty broken, verse 14. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. What blessing did he bless us with? The same blessing that he promised Abraham. So the Abrahamic blessing is not old covenant. Christ brought it into the new covenant for, for new covenant believers. Verse 26, Galatians 3.26. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on a new garment. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true seed of Abraham, you are his heirs, and everything that God promised Abraham belongs to you. Not you're trying to get it. Rate the word belongs. I'm believing for. You don't have to believe for something that belongs to you. Just receive it. Confess it. I have it. It belongs to me. Land ownership is mine. Property ownership is mine. Abundance is mine. I'm not trying to get there. I have it. Because of what Christ did, it belongs to me. And as you can tell, the things I'm telling you are inarguable. So people that don't believe in this stuff that are Christians, they'll just hear all this and go, yeah, but I know, you know, there's a lot of people that take these things and they go too far. Listen, I'm sorry you know stupid people. I don't. I got a hold of it and I'm going in the right direction. Stop altering what you teach and preach because of stupid people. Because there are also intelligent people that deserve to be taught the word of God correctly so they can take it and produce a harvest 30, 60, and 100 times what they were given. It belongs to me. Write it down. It belongs to me. What? The blessing of everything God promised Abraham belongs to me. Through Christ. No one arrives at a future he cannot see. Turn to Genesis 15. Verse 4, then the Lord said to Abraham, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord 
and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Counted him as righteous because he believed what he, those things that were spoken unto him. No man arrives at a future they can't see. Abraham, look at the stars. Get a picture. Get a picture of where I'm taking you. God's word does two things. God's word is reflective. The mirror of God's word. A man who hears the word and does nothing is like a man who looks into a mirror but does nothing to correct his appearance. The word of God is reflective. It shows you a picture of who you are. It's like a mirror. You've heard the story, I think it's from Kenya, of the lion cub that got separated from its pride and was raised with sheep and thought it was a sheep. And the shepherd said one day when the, all the animals were drinking water, the sheep or the lion looked into the still water and saw that he was a lion, not a sheep. They could tell he saw. He looked at the sheep, looked at, back down at himself, which I believe because we have a dog, Christopher, who I, he, caught a, he caught himself in the mirror one day. It was hilarious. He touched himself in the mirror. He realized he wasn't one of us because, you know, the dogs, they think they're human. Then he realized he's different. This lion realized, oh, my goodness, I'm who I've been running from. When a lion comes, I run with the sheep. I am a lion. And the shepherd said the next time a predator came that threatened the, the sheep, the sheep ran and the lion growled and went at it. He always was a lion, but he thought he was a sheep. The word of God shows you you're not a struggling bum. You see who I am by redemption. I'm not a charity case. I'm not somebody that needs healed. I'm not somebody that needs kept in prayer. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places far above all all principalities, all power. It's under my feet. I see who I am. And then I start dressing like it and looking like it. I, that's why I can't get interested in dressing like a bum to preach. You know, we're just casual here. I'm not. I'm a sign and a wonder to my generation. I want to look like somebody that if you need help, probably you should ask him. Because I can help. You need healed? God gave me something to, to do about that. You need a word? I can speak it. You need lifted? I can lift. Because of Christ. Get a picture of yourself like that. Like Solomon. Like a one-wifed Solomon. Abraham. See, when you read these Bible characters, none of them were greater than John the Baptist and the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than them. Find the good parts of their life and realize that those are... The, the, the things that operated well in them operated because of the blessing of God, and you have that to a greater dimension. 
I can't see myself needing a loan. I can't see myself in need, period. Write it down. I don't have needs. I meet needs. I want you to write that down. I don't have needs. I meet needs. Where's that in the Bible? Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack anything. Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack anything. Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Paul said, not that I was ever in need. The last need that you had will be the last need you ever have. God did not put you on this earth. The only reason we're still on the earth is to lift humanity, not to, be, not to need to be lifted. When I go to church and they say, how many of you have a need today? I, can't, I don't put my hand up. I, can't, I don't see myself like that. If you have a need, I'll pray for you. But I, I'm not on that pile of hurting humanity. I'm sent to help that pile. You can't be both. You can't deliver people from a prison you're in. That's why Satan and religion work overtime to get you to see with this, all the riches of this book, to get you to see yourself as a struggler. I mean, life is hard. No. We reign as kings in this life. We dominate in this life. I'm not believing for a car. I'll get cars for other people. I'll provide housing for other people. I already am. Lots of them. I'm not in need. I meet needs. Now, if you'll flip your thinking like that, it sounds oversimplistic, but it's amazing how when you change how you see yourself, things start lining up with the word. You see yourself as a struggler, struggles multiply. You see yourself as an overflowing cup. Your cup begins to overflow without effort. I want you to lift your hands up. Close both eyes and say this. I thank you, Father, that because of Jesus, my shepherd, I don't have needs. I meet needs. Thank you that I'm your child. I carry your DNA. I act like you. I produce for others. I lift hurting people. I'm not a hurting person. Today I'm healed. Today I'm blessed. Today I have more than enough. Thank you for making me a financial sign and wonder in my generation. In Jesus' name.
Anybody here ever watch Evangelist Kofi? How do you go from an immigrant from West Africa working in Walmart the overnight shift to then finding the Lord, immersing yourself in his word, doing what the word says, and then in a few short years, not when he's 60, not when he's 40, in his 30s, go back to where he came from. He didn't leave poor and come back rich. He left poor and came back a provider for regions of that country. For the widows there, for the orphans there. That's called being a financial wonder in your generation. That's what God will make you. As you stay believing his word, speaking his word. Abraham believed those things that were spoken unto him, and the Lord counted his righteousness unto him because of his faith. No longer will you be called Abram, but Abraham. So it, he had to speak it. He called those things that were not as though they were. Abraham means father of many nations when he didn't even have a son. Believe it, speak it, act on it. Abraham paid a tithe on the Melchizedek. He acted on the covenant. He acted on the word. It's not difficult. Believe it, speak it, act on it. Today is a foundation that has to be in place. Before you build a home or any building, a foundation has to be in place. Without this understanding, your offerings will just be thrown to the wind. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. No man arrives at a future he can't see. No man becomes someone that he can't see in the pages of this book. I was listening to a stand-up comedian being interviewed yesterday who battled major addiction problems. He said, when I was young and saw stand-up comedians, they all did drugs, so I just thought drugs and alcohol are part of it. He saw that as part of his future and became it. Well, I don't see becoming a drug addict and a drunk as part of my future. I see what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what's never entered into the heart of man. That's what's reserved for those that love God. And I love God. I see that. I see Solomon's life, the good parts of it, as my life. Je the Jesus kind of life is my life. Go and get the boats. Go and get a donkey nobody's ever ridden on before. Go and get a room for our banquet and just tell them the master has need of it. Uh, that's what I see. This is a month of signs and wonders. And today you position yourself for it. No eye has seen. What no eye has seen. What no ear has heard. What's never entered into the heart of man. That's what God has reserved for you. 
Can I pray something for you? The kind of blessing that confuses people. How did he get that plane? How did she get that house? How does she have that? How is she able to do that for her children? I don't understand. The kind of blessing that confuses people. The kind of blessing that makes a heathen person admit they must know God. I loose that blessing to you in Jesus' name. From today, you become a financial wonder to your generation. In Jesus' name. If you believe it, say, I receive it. And then just begin to thank the Lord for it. So I guess I'll take the, probably end up taking the whole week on this. Everything I spoke of today begins with redemption. The curse of poverty was broken by what Jesus did on the cross. The blessing of Abraham was loosed because of what Christ did on the cross. You must be born again. Without redemption, you can dream it. You can make all the vision boards you want. You're under a curse. Everything starts with being born again. I want you to say this out loud. Heavenly Father, I repent of sin. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness. By the blood of Jesus, I am saved. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, let me know that you did in the comments and go to revivaltoday.com and click I just got saved. Fill that out completely and I'm going to send you a Bible and other material to help you live the Christian life. Congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. How many of you have ever heard of me reference my Uncle Ted before or seen my Uncle Ted? Either when I've had him here on his own broadcast or in person. He's had a book on the gifts of the Spirit in the works for about two and a half years, and they're sending it to the printer this week. I'm going to send off that first run of books. I'm going to send one. Of course, some of you already gave uh, back when he was on with me the last time before the pandemic. I'm going to send that to you. Anyone that gives $100 or more today to help us feed 1,200 children a day, and build this church. I'm going to send you that book as soon as it comes off the, the, the press as a way to say thank you. Now, we also have this Revival Today Kingdom Builders Bible. It has pictures of our first 20 years in evangelism. Me and Adonis, great pictures. So if, you're, if you like our ministry, you'll like this. I ordered 500 of these because I was believing God for 500 people that would sow $1,000 to help us build that church. I think we have about 200 left the last I checked. So this week, 
I'm believing that God will speak to 200 people to sow at the $1,000 level or more, and I'm going to send you this to say thank you. If God would speak to your heart to do that, thank you, and then this will show you my thanks, but it's not your harvest. God will bless you for helping to expand his kingdom. Finally, I'm going to do a week of television programming that will cover the entire United States on a major channel. That costs $17,000 a night. I'm believing for five people that will sow a $17,000 seed and say, I'll take care of one of those nights. I want end-time Bible prophecy preaching. You know, that's going to blow back whatever's left of the Build Back Better uh, agenda in America. People already know something's wrong with it. I'm going to show them from the Bible what's wrong with it. If you'll help me with that, I'll say thank you, and God will bless you. And I want you to target your seed for breakthrough. What are you believing God to do for you personally? Target that seed to cut the hand off of whatever's holding it back and open that window and let it flow freely into your life. Here's the ways to give. Facebook, hashtag donate. You can text RT to 50155. Thank you for the kind words, Lucy. Thank you for sowing, Kenny. I love you, Gerald. God bless you. Cash app, dollar sign RT give. Venmo, at RT give. PayPal, revivaltoday.com slash PayPal. You can always just go to our website, revivaltoday.com, and click give now. If you want to give cryptocurrency, you can scan that QR code. If you don't see the cryptocurrency you want to give listed, then just call 412-446-2332. If you prefer to mail it, Make it out to Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. There you see the website. Familiar? That's the easiest way to give, revivaltoday.com, and click Give Now. That has all of it in one place. If you want to talk to a human being, 412-446-2332. However you give, please go to revivaltoday.com and click Claim My Offer. That makes sure we have your name and address to send you what we promised. We don't share that information. We don't use it for anything other than to make sure you get your book and, or Bible or whatever, whatever we said we were going to give you. Love you, Gerald. You're a major blessing. Yes, Lori. I'll take that as an order. Lucy said, I was losing sight in finances. I needed to hear this. I'm glad. We share the broadcast on uh, Facebook. We're off YouTube for two weeks. They dug back two years plus to find something that they felt violated their terms of service. So I'm obviously targeted. If you could, as soon as possible, start watching on the app. And don't miss these miracle meetings coming up in Wellsburg, West Virginia. So if you're in Ohio, Western Pennsylvania, or West Virginia, you're going to find that Wellsburg is very close to you. It's in that part of West Virginia that juts up in between Pittsburgh and uh, Ohio. So it's, if you're in Ohio, West Virginia, 
or Pittsburgh, these are going to be four miracle services, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 7 p.m., and then Sunday morning as well at 10.30 a.m. New Day Christian Center in Wellsburg, West Virginia. Don't miss it. I look forward to seeing you in person. Do whatever you can to get there. You need to be in those meetings. Thank you for watching today. And uh, I'll see you on Check the News tonight, 10 p.m. For myself, everybody here at Revival today, God bless you. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.